Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, we're switching gears to basketball. We'll get back into the Monty Austin Ford hiring, obviously, shortly. But the Phoenix Suns have uh, won one of their last 10, Wolf. And uh, what is this, two of their last 14? Uh, yeah. yeah not, not, a, not a great time. Jay Williams of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max on ESPN. Of course, you can hear it every morning. Joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Jay, thank you for the time. What is going on with our basketball team? <laughs> well, first off, how are you boys doing? Are you ready for Tom Brady to retire? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jerry. He, he sounded like he might be oh, at the end yeah. of the game. Please don't. I, well, i got to be honest. Look, I mean, yesterday watching the game, I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Come on, Dallas. If somebody can retire Tom Brady, I'm all here for it. <laughs> um, yeah. That's where I'll, but anyway, we'll back see, to we'll your see. Team. I, um, I want to circle back to that, okay, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, the, the, it's really hard for me because I, you know, hearing talks around the leagues, like guys like Fred VanVleet want to be part of Phoenix and what they're doing with Toronto, some of the decisions Toronto has to make, uh, obviously with their GM and, and some of the issues that they're having there with the talent they have with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet. Um, but I, it's safe to say that I'm probably like more disappointed and you can't really do much about injuries, but it's like the Phoenix Suns are probably like one of the most disappointing teams that there is just because you, the expectation level is high. And I I will say that the good thing is that this six game homestand that you guys are about to go on, at least you could try to get your feet up underneath you during a homestand. But the reality is like health, health is a really big thing. And when you're not healthy, it makes it hard to compete at the ultimate high level, I just would say that the, it's not like one team is blowing other teams away in the West. The West does seem very uh, connected by, you know, four or five games between first and like ninth or tenth place. So, I mean, look, forgot, but the Lakers are still in this conversation, right? So, uh, as long as the Lakers are still in the conversation, there's always room for the Phoenix Suns to be at the top. It just matters around health, guys. So, the Phoenix Suns, 21 and 24 right now. You're telling Suns fans, don't. Don't don't overreact. All is well. I mean, Wolf, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm saying that. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm saying that at all. I, I, I think I, I'm not going to sit out here and say that this is a complete catastrophe. I'm not going to say that. I think the, the makeup of the team is still uh, a, a makeup of a team that could potentially finish strong in the West. It just depends upon, unfortunately, a lot of the health issues that exist right now with your unit. We're talking to Jay Williams. Jay, since the last time we got to talk to you, uh, Jay Crowder made some comments. Mikel Bridges was like, yeah, we, you know, we missed this guy. I, I just... <laughs> To be at the point they're at, not like Jay Crowder would change everything or not like trading him, the piece they would have got back would change everything, but this just feels weird that he's still out there. They're paying him not to play, and, and they've lost 17 of their last 22 games. I mean, I'm, I'm baffled by it. It's something that we've talked about within the NBA circles for a long time. It's like if you can't, if you're James Jones, you can't find the right trade partner. I, I understand, but, you know, I. I don't. I don't know why you just don't try to figure something out, especially when you are 
I don't know. And sometimes it's like, look, if you're going to draw a line in the sand and say this is what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be, you have to be willing to endure this losing streak, right? And it's something that the fan base is going to have to stomach. It's something that we as you know analysts, you're going to have to stomach. But I, I just don't know why. I don't know where that relationship went extremely sour that you couldn't save it for the sake of what he brings from a physical toughness perspective to this team. Yeah, on that note right there, Jay, when I say DeAndre Ayton, what, what do you think of? Jeez, I have, I have a lot of emotions around it. Um, I think of a guy who is extremely talented. Um, I don't know if I think of a franchise guy. And the fact that, the fact that Wolf, I would tell you, I'm not sure, doesn't that kind of say something? Yeah. yeah. Four years in, five years in. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Jay Williams joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Jay, you mentioned the standings in the Western Conference. Just wanted to get your thoughts on who you think the team to beat there is right now because there's a decent chance the Suns are going to be playing a pretty good team in the first round of the playoffs, assuming they get there. I don't know. I mean, I, you can obviously talk about some of the teams at the top of the Western Conference. I There's a tendency for me to think, and it's not just because they play last night, but the way the Memphis Grizzlies are playing, seeing Jaron Jackson coming along, seeing them get healthy, seeing Bain back on the court, seeing a lot of the pieces that they were able to add. I, I do think they are probably um, my favorite right now in the Western Conference. But once again, like there's a logjam of teams up top and there's not a lot of room of separation here. So that would probably be my favorite if I, if I were forced to, but it's almost like the Western conference seems up for grabs in my opinion. And just because a team might win the regular season, I don't know if that means that they're the best team. I think it's one of these things that we have to wait until we get into, you know, late February, early March to kind of see after all-star break, like who's hitting their stride and who is actually coming back into form health wise. Jay, Tom Brady, you brought it up. Do you think he is going to retire? You know, Tom, I, I don't, and I, I would probably say Denver in that conversation too, but we'll, we'll see if actually they can, I think something they had some holes uh, defensively in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But well, as it relates to, to Tom, let me, let me ask you guys this. I mean, I, I've gone through things in my life uh, that have occurred and there's always a tendency I'm not saying this is for everybody uh, but when you are trying to figure things out and you you lose something isn't there a tendency to go back to what it is that you do you throw yourself into your job and your work and for me Tom going through all the personal stuff and then the way things ended last night him looking like a statue understanding it was Ryan Jensen's first game back on the O-line did somewhat okay but you know you wonder about a lot of injuries for their team too I, I just I, I can't imagine from what I know about Tom Brady and knowing Tom Brady for the past 10 years him walking away from the game of football and almost feeling like he's being forced to like the conversation lingering today is like well what team would want Tom Brady I'm like wow like this guy went from leading the league last year in passing yards to so now we're asking what team would want Tom Brady and I see Tom Brady walking away from this game on his time nobody else's so I don't see him retiring well I do not I think I'm with you on that and honestly for pretty much for the exact reason you just said Jay uh, thank you so much for the time as always man always good to talk to you 
All right, guys. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Right, man. Right, you too. That's uh, Jay Williams joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, we'll get back into Suns in a little bit. When we come back, though, the Cardinals went outside the organization for the first time since 1994 to hire Monty Austin Ford. So what does that tell us about how they feel about him and how they feel about this offseason? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right. We're an hour and 16 minutes into the show, and this is our first chance to talk to each other. Wolf, what's going on? How you doing, man? It just feels so <laughs> weird, doesn't it? It does. This has been a very strange start to a show, which we knew that was going to be the case. Uh, we've already talked to Jay Williams. We've already talked to Monty Austinfort, the new general manager of your Arizona Cardinals, and he had a lot to say. Now's our chance to finally react to some of it. it you know, During the break, they were showing up on ESPN, obviously the Cardinals. That's the team that just hired a new GM, and the first thing they isolated was the first thing you and I both isolated isolated as Monty was talking, um, this is going to be confusing with Imani Williams and Imani Austinfort. Yeah, that's okay. going to be difficult right there. Monty with a Y, yes. Monty with an I. Okay, <laughs> so as Monty with an I was talking, um, this one, this message really stood out. It's what ESPN just isolated as well. The uh, how, how you're going to build a team and putting an emphasis on, uh, on team over ego. In Cardinals football, we're going to focus on a completely unified message across the general manager, the head coach, and ownership to what exactly we want to be as a football organization. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process. We are going to turn over every stone to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent. We're going to build a team. And I just want to throw this follow-up uh, from Michael Bidwell on the, uh, on the no-ego policy. I think it is related, and it was described in a different way. It was accountability. We need more accountability. And uh, that is something that Monty and I talked about, and it's, it's, it's clear that that's going to be an emphasis here, and that's what he just described is setting ego aside, and it's all about accountability to the team. So I think it's absolutely related. It's absolutely something our players are interested in, and, uh, and that, that, that was something I had in my mind when I was evaluating what a great talent evalu- evaluator Monty is, what a great leader is, what his work ethic and passion is around winning football. Uh, so that was something very important to me. And our players' uh, input uh, was very, you know, uh, had its impact. I mean, I knew that, but it was also good to see see and hear that from our players and then see that that's exactly what Monty Austinport is about. Yeah, Bidwell's response to that question was was a question of you know, how much did talking to the players sort of feed into that yeah. mentality? Yeah. Um, listen, right now, Monty Austin for it. I love his background. I love the teams that he's coming from, of course, that being the Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. I loved what he was saying about football and egos. I thought it was the first thing that he actually said in the press conference that dealt with culture. Now, I could be wrong. I'll go back and I'll listen to it, of course. No, it was pretty early. But to me... and, And often. It felt like that was the first thing he said definitively about culture. No egos. No egos. And, boy, I can tell you right now, um, smart, tough, that was one of his answers as well. I, as a matter of fact, can you get that Yeah, this, to go? this was because to us. You want it right here? I, yeah, because I asked him, when I say football player, what do you think of? I think of someone who is smart, tough, dependable, accountable, and mature. 
I think of those attributes because this is the this is the most difficult game to play uh, in the entire world. And what what we ask of these players, both on and off the field, it, it's it's a it's a mental challenge, it's a physical challenge, and it takes a special type of person, both physically and mentally, to be successful in this league. So smart, tough, dependable, accountable, and mature. Yes. If he if 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 you're a GM candidate and you sit down with Michael Bidwell in the last week and you say that's what you're looking for in yes. your players, I can absolutely see how that would resonate with Michael Bidwell after the season the Cardinals just had. No doubt about it. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I will say this. This is just me looking in from the outside, but there it is. There's your culture. You want culture? What what is the culture of the Arizona Cardinals going to be going forward? What is the culture? Smart, tough, dependable, meaning you show up. You show up, and you show up in practice as well. Accountable and mature. I mean, that to me right there, that is Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know Bill Belichick, and that is exactly the way that he thinks. Well, I was going to ask you, too, the, the whole the theme of the, the press conference, which went about 40 minutes, was, you know, there's going to be one message from the owner, the GM, and the coach throughout the organization, which I think is huge. Uh, that you absolutely have to be on the same page there. How many times have you and I talked about that over the course of the season? They're going to have that one message, and yeah, the, the, the team success over just individual ego. And I think that hits home for pretty much every Cardinals fan that was listening to that press conference. And a lot of your frustrations with the team this season stemmed from that potentially being an issue. How much of that do you think is is a mentality that Monty Ossonfort brings to the Cardinals? And how much of that do you think is coming from Michael Bidwell, who I'm assuming was pretty frustrated with the way last season played out? I'm sorry. You know, once again, that sounded like Bill Belichick. That's that's what it sounded like to me when he answered that question. And you look at his... Look at his past. Look at his pedigree. Look where he comes from. 15 years of being in the New England Patriots organization, Matt. 15 years. They went to four Super Bowls, won four Super Bowls. Actually went to seven. He was there for all of them? They went to so many Super Bowls, I've lost count. Um, so there you have it right there. That that and the fact that it, the last three years he was with the Tennessee Titans, man. I mean, that is as physical a team as you're going to find in the league. Now, again, you got to win more games. Got to go out and win more games. But there's a lot of things that I think happen to the Tennessee Titans. There's a lot of reasons why you're not going to win a game in a given season. But look at the Tennessee Titans and how many playoff appearances they've had. While under Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. in the last three years. Yeah, no, I mean, they were making it every year and, until this year. Um, this is more from Monty Austin Fort on the whole uh, ego not being tolerated theme. Well, there's there's one goal here. It's to win. Okay? There's there's no putting personal interests in front of the team. Um, I was I was told once the definition of mental toughness is putting the team in front of something that maybe would have been better personally for me. So that, to me, is the type of players that we're looking for. Um, 
in, in regards to your question about the number of unrestricted free agency, that's absolutely a, a, a process that we have to get going. Uh, I've, I've started my process of evaluating the roster. I need to do more, and that's something that is, is a priority for me. And we will continue to do that. And I think between unrestricted free agency and the draft and trades and roster cutdown, there are numerous ways for us to build this roster, and we are going to investigate every single possible one of those, with unrestricted free agency being one of those. And see if, in fact, that is the case right there. You know, what are you going to filter that player through? Smart, tough, dependable, accountable, mature. Those five things right there. The, every player doesn't matter. This is the great thing about Bill Belichick. Every player that he brings into the locker room, you better be A, B, C, D, and E. Whatever those things are, you better be that guy or, you know, what? we're not going to bring you in here. Why would we bring you in here? It's called the Belichick Army. He's had it for many, 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 many years. It was at its height, of course, with Tom Brady as the quarterback right there, the Belichick Army. It's one of the reasons why you never saw Bill Belichick go out and get some of the more flashy, talented players. One time he did it, Randy Moss. One time. That almost worked out really well. I know. But that was, uh, you're talking about one of the best players of all time. You're talking about one of the best players, yes, absolutely. And to me, you sift every player, whether it's draft, whether it's free agency, unrestricted free agents, whatever it may be, you filter them through that culture. Smart, tough, dependable, accountable, mature. You have to be able to prioritize. It's like it's like car shopping and whatever your main thing is, I want better gas mileage. You just filter out anything in your search that doesn't get good gas mileage. You just start there. Anything, like you're saying, anybody that's not going to bring those qualities, there's, you're wasting your time even looking at them because they're not going to fit in with this team. Bill was smart, tough, disciplined. That was it. And if you weren't that, I don't care how talented you are. We're not going to let you in this locker room. See, there's a lot to talk about here because I guarantee you there are a lot of Cardinals fans driving around. And I think some of this is at times warranted. And you hear smart, tough, dependable, accountable, mature. And you think of your quarterback. He's smart. Sometimes the other stuff has been called into question. Now, he's still evolving. And it's not like he can't be those things. and It's not like he's never those things. But the knock on Kyler Murray has been some of those things. And he's not going anywhere. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Wild Card Weekend is in the books. So what was the best game? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, there were actually some football games this weekend, too, Wolf. I don't know if you caught any of those. There was, that was beautiful, man, wasn't it? There were six games in Wild Card Weekend or Super Wild Card Weekend or whatever they're calling it now. I would say four of them were highly entertaining, and a fifth one was pretty pretty good for at least the first three quarters. No, absolutely, man. I thought it was awesome. Super Wild Card Weekend was super. Loved it, man. Six games of beauty. Better than I thought it was going to be, honestly. Cincinnati-Baltimore was a much better game than... I I, I shouldn't say that. I thought Cincinnati was going to win. I thought, what did I say on Friday? They were going to be kind of just be in control the whole time. It wasn't going to be a blowout. Baltimore doesn't usually get blown out. Uh, But in fact, they weren't in control. If Tyler Huntley scores that touchdown, Cincinnati may have lost. The game, though, without a doubt, that shocked me the most was Buffalo barely getting past Miami on a Sunday morning. And there was a moment there where Miami was leading in the second half. 
Yeah, no, it got dicey for the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, honestly, it comes back to the fact I thought the Bills were able to run the ball. And so much of the time, when you look at the weekend overall, man, that that's what it came down to. The teams that ran the ball and ran the ball significantly better than the other team, they won the game. Five and one, as a matter of fact, in those games. Five and one. And when I, when I say that, Luke, I'm, I'm not talking about just beating them by a few yards. I'm talking about Seattle, San Francisco. 181 rushing yards for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. 104 for Seattle. Jacksonville, 117 rushing yards to 67 for the Chargers. Oh, Chargers. The Bills, 107 <laughs> to the Dolphins, 42. And on and on it, it, it went. There was only one game, of course, where that was flipped, and it was the Bengals. The Bengals-Ravens. The Ravens had 155 yards rushing, and the Bengals only had 51, and yet the Bengals won the game. Well, here, let's, we gotta, there's, there's a lot of different ways that we could go with this. Let's jump into that one game in particular. What was the split rushing-wise for the Chargers and Jaguars? Uh, 117 to 67. And the team with 67 was the team that was up, what, 27 nothing? Oh, please. I was screaming at the television. I was absolutely, I, I'm sorry, just screaming. What are you doing, Brandon Staley? What you, run the ball. He ran the ball six times in the second half. With a huge lead. Six with a, a three-possession lead. I, 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 honestly, right now, that, that right there, I'm sorry, I was losing it. I was yelling, my kids were looking at me like, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, my, complacency is a horrible master. Never forget that. They are the first team to lose a playoff game with a turnover margin of plus five. The Chargers were plus five. And, and up 27 nothing too. Up 27 Okay, but to me, again, it was a 20-point lead. And he came out, and he ran the ball six times in the second half. Oh, my goodness. And for me, I was thinking, that's what's going to get Brandon Staley fired. Well, I tell Not you. going for it on fourth down. That not trying to throw his way into the end zone when he's inside the 10 yard line, but that it felt and obviously a lot of people made this connection. In fact, I saw a couple uh, photoshops on on social media where it was the Chargers logo built into the Falcons logo from the Super Bowl where they had the 28 to three lead over Tom Brady and the Patriots where it was just like, oh, we don't it, it look. I don't like the, we have the lead, so let's just sit here and cross our fingers that the next 30 minutes are going to go away and we're going to win and we're just going to stand here and, and kill clock. Not that. No. But when you're up 27 nothing, when you're up 28-3 in the Super Bowl, and by the way, the Chargers have a pretty good running back in Austin Eckler. It's not like they, yes. they pulled some guy out of the stands. Yes. At a certain point, you have to be smart about it. You can't run the ball six times in the second half of a game you're leading 27 nothing. You can't be going up to the, like rushing up to the line of scrimmage and hiking the ball with 24 seconds left on the play clock. You want to win the game, right? It's not a matter of like, well, we do the exact same thing at the exact, you cannot coach this league, coach in this league as a robot and expect to win anything. Yes, no, you can't. Um, you know, by way of example, the Dallas Cowboys had an 18 point lead. 
in that second half. When the half started, they had an 18-point lead. They ran the ball six times in the first 10 plays. <laughs> they were And they weren't running Why the ball you? great in the first half. They weren't. They just came out and basically said, you know, okay, now this is what we're going to do. We got to eat some clock while we try to move the ball. I'm not saying you don't, you don't stop throwing the ball. Of course you do. But man, show a little understanding of what is going on. The Chargers stopped the clock over and over and over again. It was, um, that more than anything else, I honestly thought if I were the owner, that more than anything Brandon Staley has done with this new age, new era offense, that would have just done it well, for me. That was a moment, if you are a Cardinals fan that was hoping for Sean Payton, you, we talked about this going in the weekend. You can't have the the Chargers or the Cowboys have a bad loss. Otherwise, that that's a complicating factor. Cowboys won the game. Um, we'll get into the fact that they missed their first four extra points, and maybe that's why they felt like they had to kill some clock. That was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a game. Well, I felt so bad for the kid. Really did. I, I, and yet, man, there's no way... He's gone. You, well, you're not beating San Francisco if you're going to play around and miss four extra points, and, and they didn't trust him to kick a field goal later either. If they didn't do that, is, are you really going to run him out there? <laughs> are you going to run him out there again in the next game, the divisional round? I don't see that. It's almost like anybody. If you're going to miss four extra points, it's almost like anybody should be able to come in there and actually make one of them. Yeah, that, that got weird. I mean, I guess he made... Oh, that, that was one. a mental. Oh, that was a mental deal, man. Well, yeah. Would they say he's, he missed five extra points his entire career or something, and he missed four in, in a playoff game uh, last night? But but back to Staley and, and just that whole scenario of, yeah, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're watching that. And it kind of sounds like we've heard a lot of talk since that game ended that the Chargers aren't going to move on from Staley, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, but... It's that sort of stuff. It, it, it's not going for it on fourth down because they didn't even do that once in the game. But it's sort of that similar, it doesn't matter what's going on in the game. I have a script I have to follow. It's that. It's the lack of situational awareness. He seems like yes. he really is. would be a, this feels weird to say, he seems like he's a really good coach, except he seems oblivious to what's going on around him. Yes. And I don't know how you do those two things. <laughs> that is, that's a weird combination right there. But Brandon Staley, this is a guy that I love. As a coach, his philosophy as to what he wants to do and how he wants to do it, except in that game, I just could not understand what he was doing. And there were there were some other games as well that got you scratching your butt a little bit. And we'll talk more on this as the show unfolds. Yeah, that uh, that Chargers. Jaguars won on on uh, was a Saturday night was was shocking. That was what is the third biggest comeback shocking. in playoff history. And like you said, to be minus five in turnover differential, and then just there was a point where you're like, oh, it's thirty twenty. The Chargers are going to blow this game. You were plus five in the turnover column. If there's one stat you're going to look at more than anything else in a game, look at the turnover margin. That typically tells you who wins the game. Plus five, and you lose it. No way. I give us a lot of credit for not piling on the Vikings at all in that segment, but we're going to later on in the show. Now that the Cardinals have their general manager, what does their coaching search look like? How much does that impact the direction they may go? We're going to get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, even before the Arizona Cardinals announced Monty Austinfort was going to be their next general manager yesterday, and again, that is the first time they've gone outside the organization for GM since 1994, so maybe that is an indicator of uh, how much Michael Bidwell is interested in some change right now. Uh, We can get into that, but even before that uh, ultimately happened, Brian Flores' odds to be the next head coach of the Cardinals mysteriously were shooting up. I believe at one point it, it, he was he was fifty to one, and it got to like six to one before the announcement. And then once once Austin Fort was announced as the uh, the general manager, it went to like three to one. He's tied, I believe, in Vegas right now with Sean Payton. So take that for what it's worth. But it's not hard to make the connection of. Austin Ford has all these years in New England and all this success in New England, and Brian Flores was there for a lot of it. Brian Flores was there for a lot of it, but Brian Flores is a defensive-minded coach, of course, Mm -hmm. a guy that has already been a head coach in the National Football League. Two years, actually, he led Miami to a winning record, and out of the three years he was there, I think this is a real possibility right now. I I think the Arizona Cardinals have been trending more towards a defensive-minded coach this whole time. And that is typical. It's typical when you have any type of breakup, any type of separation, any type of departure. What happens? You typically go the opposite direction. I think that's where they went with Brian Flores, with Vance Joseph, D'Amico, D'Amico Ryan. Every name they've they've actually been linked to, not just Vegas odds. Every name they've been significantly linked to, other than Sean Payton, has been defense. Save for Sean Payton. Yeah, uh, it's it's just it. You hear you hear Austin Fort talking today. You hear Michael Bidwell talking today. You see the actions of going out and and setting stuff up to interview a Brian Flores. Uh, talking to Vance Joseph, he said they're going to do here shortly. D'Amico Ryan's name popping up. Um, you know the 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 sort of football philosophy that Austin Fort seems to have and it really sounds like especially listening to Bidwell it's almost like he's gone through and is is saying a lot of the things that we and the other shows and the fans have been saying of like the last couple years especially this year it was frustrating feeling like they they were getting pushed around on the field it was frustrating feeling like there were conflicting messages or that they weren't disciplined or all these things I don't know, man. The The last week has been, it, it has sounded like Michael Bidwill is, what he wants from this team is very in line f- with what the fan base has wanted for the team. And I don't know that that's always, other than just winning, I don't know that that's always felt that way to fans. Just think back when you were in school and they brought in a new teacher. You got a new teacher, a teacher you did not know. It made it very, very difficult for you because you had to read your teacher if you wanted to do well, for the most part, this is exactly what I think is going on right now. They're going to pull everybody through this new culture, this this filter known as culture. They're going to pull everybody through it. It's going to be a situation where I think Michael went outside the organization because we all know when you get relationships, sometimes those relationships get in the way. They get in the way of doing the hard thing and what it is you have to do. I think everybody's going to be pulled through this culture filter. And if you fit, you're going to do well here. 
if you don't fit, you do better elsewhere. That goes for Kyler Murray and every other guy in that locker room. Here's uh, Monty Austin for it. I'm glad you said that because it it doesn't just go for Kyler Murray, but that's what everybody thinks first, right? It goes for every guy in that locker room. But the the concern would be, hey, if you are the fifth linebacker on the team and you're not fitting what we're trying to do, you'll just be gone. Yeah. If Kyler Murray doesn't fit what they want to do, it's like, uh, you can't just be gone. So we have to get you to do it. And that, that I think is going to be yeah, it's not like I don't think Kyler Murray can be any of those five things. What was it? Smart, tough, dependable, accountable, and mature. Yeah. He, he's shown that he can be all of those things. It's can you be them consistently? Do you want to be those things consistently? Correct. Or is that not a priority to you? And Correct. We're going to find out. Uh, this is Monty Austin Ford on what he's looking for in, uh, in a head coach. Well, I think, there's, I think there's a lot of important characteristics there. And I think the key is that we find the head coach that is right for this team. There's, there's many ways of doing things. And I think finding a head coach that aligns with the way I see building a team, the way Michael sees building an organization. Um, and then I think there's a, the specifics in terms of, of leadership in developing players and coaches, in being a teacher of fundamentals, details, and techniques. Those are all things. And, and this is not a this is not a we're trying to build a sustainable program here. This is not a short term fix. So we want a, a coach that sees the big picture and understands that we're not happy with just the results of 2023. We're building this for extended uh, extended championship teams as we move forward. Boy, that is the great thing as well. Was I listened to Monty. Austin Ford right there. Talk about this. That to me is what it's all about. It really is. Once you build that culture base, it means what happens is it runs itself. It does. You get that thing up. It's like an engine, a well, a well lubed engine and it runs and it just hums by itself. Because you've got a locker room filled with the type of guys that you want on your team. you got to go out and find guys that are smart and tough but have talent. you got to go out and find them. You, you don't want to go out and find the most talented guy. Who's the most talented guy? That's all we care about is the most talented. No, you don't want to do that. What you want to do is go out and find a guy that is talented, no doubt. But is also smart, is also tough, dependable, accountable, mature. Those sound like Monty Williams' uh, five pillars. How many pillars does Williams? Monty? Yeah, that's now, it. Do I have to call him Williams now? Yeah, you can do. I, can, I can't call him Monty. Mon- I Monty have with to. Why? I, I got to be able to call Monty Williams Monty. Otherwise, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I guess we'll just call Monty Austin Fort. Austin Fort. Okay, Austin Ford. I don't know. That's kind of we'll figure something out. But it sounds like the uh, the Monty Williams pillars, right? It's not the exact same, but to have that sort of like these five foundations when you come in that you want to build uh, everything with the team. And he got look, he gets to step in, and he's basically building not from scratch, but as close to scratch as you're going to be building an NFL team from. Sure. You also have to realize too when you speak like this, you have to realize there are a lot of guys inside that locker room that are going to be watching closely to see if you enforce what it is that you're saying. Buddha. Otherwise, it does not work. No, it's true. It does not work. If you say it, work. you have to do it. But it, this is how I view today's press conference. I view it through the filter of Buddha Baker. If he's watching that, is he nodding his head like, yeah, we need oh, more yeah. of this. And, and if Buddha approves, I approve at this point with this team. Now, 
the other part of of the equation here, if if suddenly Brian Flores appears to be more likely to be your next coach, and that hasn't hasn't happened, um, that would mean then Sean Payton maybe is a little bit less likely. Sean Payton, this is a real interesting dynamic because he's clearly the coach everybody is chasing. He was on with Colin Cowherd yesterday and was essentially breaking down his own coaching search. You don't usually get that sort of insight, right? And so uh, he said quite a few things, but Cowherd asked him why he values ownership ahead of, of the uh, the quarterback position. Generally speaking, if the quarterback is there, they're probably a team that's playing well, generally speaking. And so the the teams that have openings... I'm not going to say are broken, but they've had problems. That's why right. there's an opening. Right. Um, and so I, I think that element's critical, the ownership element and, um, and philosophically, you know, because they're – and I've said this, and I hope it's, it's, it's not looked at as an indictment on certain teams, but there are a number of teams – it's hard to win in this league, and, and it's certainly harder to win in this league if there's internal uh, problems before you, before you even play an opponent. He said a lot of stuff in there. I don't know if I have time to play the the uh, Texans clip. I'll just play this one. The the pros and cons with uh, with each team. That so he's got uh, Peyton has interviews lined up with Denver. Carolina and Houston this week. That's all we know for sure. Cardinals obviously have already asked for permission and gotten it, but they don't have an interview set up to our knowledge. Each team would be just like we're having that discussion. There'd be pros and that that's the significance though of the upcoming week or two of meeting Mm -hmm. some of these individuals, asking some questions, maybe some difficult questions and, and, and trying to get answers so that we're not having difficult questions when you've already taken the job the way he talked about houston wolf and i'll I'll play the clip next time we get into this because it's kind of long made me suddenly believe the texans are like a legitimate contender for sean payton yeah just the way he jumped in and made sure he wanted to talk specifically about houston and the pros of of the the texans job yes i would agree with that assessment and it's because the opportunity is there to totally reshape anything that is inside that locker room right now yeah it's an easier fix yeah uh, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.